Good morning, Element. How y'all doing? My name's Oh, you guys are way more responsive than any of the other services. My name's Alex. If you guys don't know who I am, I am the youth coordinator here at Element. And before we get started, I just want to make it abundantly clear. I am not a father. I do not have a baby, and my wife is not pregnant. You hear the family in the back? We are not having a baby. So you're probably like, why are you up here? That's a good question that you should probably ask Aaron, because I'm still not 100% sure why. Uh, but after three years of turning him down every year, I felt really bad, so here I am. If it ends up being the worst Father's Day sermon ever, my email is Aaron at rlement.org. <laughs> send me whatever you want to send me. I don't care. Six and stones, man. But uh, I'm just going to stop rambling, so let's read some scripture. You guys want to stand up? Solid. This is Proverbs 20, verse 7. The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for, for giving us dads. And thank you for being a perfect father to us. I pray that we would all strive to be as good a father as you and that we would learn from you and that we would reflect you in all that we do. We love you and we praise you. Amen. All right, you guys have a seat. So here we are. I know I said I'm not 100% sure why I'm up here. And, but th- there's, there's, kind of a re- there's a good reason for me to be up here, I guess. But to get to that, we're going to take a little journey. And since you're all a captive audience, sucks for you. Now, to understand my story, we just basically have to talk about my parents because I'm only 21, product of my upbringing. I don't have this long life filled with trials and tribulations. My life was pretty easy growing up. Nothing, nothing traumatic happened to me. So we'll get there, and eventually it'll have a point. But we're going to start off with my mom. Um, yeah, there's a picture. My mom is a tiny white lady. The, the lady in the white dress is my wife, Chelsea, and then that's my dad. So if I reference any of these people, you now have a face. My mom did announcements, so you, now you've got like double, double recognition. Uh, my brother, his name is Nick. He's not in that photo. I'm sorry, Nick. Uh, this photo was a little bit nicer. I liked my face. Um, <laughs> but I have a younger brother who I'll reference throughout this. I just want to make sure you know everyone before we get you know, real started. So my mom's this tiny white lady. Most of you probably know her as a Juice Plus lady or lady that tries to get you to eat healthy or Mama Chris. James coined that nickname, and she hated it initially, but then it grew on her. So she's cool with that. She's a hoot. Take her wine tasting. Go to that Rancho Sisquak thing. You'll see. Um, her mom, my grandma, is a, was an immigrant from Germany, and she came over here after surviving various concentration camps and a bunch of gnarly stuff and basically raised my mom on her own. Because my mom's dad died when she was 12. Basically, she's raised here, born and raised by her mom, Santa Maria, went to Santa Maria High, became a hairdresser, and I can't go anywhere in this town without running into like three or four people that know who I am. Even if I don't know who they are, they know who I am. They're like, oh, you're Chris's son. I've seen your picture on her station. It's like, cool, I don't know who you are. Nice to meet you, I think. Maybe we've met before. I don't know. But... As a kid growing up, it was awful because I felt like she had little birds watching me everywhere because I couldn't go anywhere without her birds reporting back to her. And then I'd get home and she'd be like, why were you over here? Why were you doing that? And it's like, oh, man, I can't get away with anything. But luckily, she was the parent we could schmooze with. Uh, I was a lot cuter when I was younger. Roughly the same height, but a lot cuter. <laughs> and so I could, could get myself out of any immediate punishment by just being cute, and I could also score some toys, you know, once in a while, by schmoozing action figures, Nerf guns, whatever else 
10-year-old me wanted. And that being said, uh, she's an incredibly hard worker. She is the one who drug us to church each week, kicking and screaming, because I hated going to church, especially the children's program. No offense, Christy, if you're in this room. I hated children's programs, especially as a child. I just, I was so uncomfortable. And so she drugged me, and I would, I would go to big church, which is this. You're in big church, if you don't know. And uh, eventually she bit the bullet and just started volunteering, because I would only go to the children's program if she came with me, because I was a mama's boy. I'm not anymore at all. Uh, laugh it up, laugh it up. Yeah. So that's my mom. She's, she's cool. And then there's my, my dad's right there. And uh, he brings this, uh, my mom brings this high volume of energy that's it's a lot to handle sometimes. And then my dad comes in, he swoops in with this even keel stability, which is just, I really like that. They, they balance each other out well. It's a good system they got going on. Way to go, parents. Um, my dad is more of the so- strong, silent type, handyman extraordinaire. Growing up, he moved from Tennessee to California and back and forth and all this stuff. He's the youngest of five, which by its own set of challenges, he had to kind of think on his feet, be a little more witty, a little more smart, and uh, make these gadgets to keep up with his, with his hooligan brothers. He made this contraption where he could sit in his bed and press a button and it would shut his door, or there's a mouse trap. I don't know. He pressed a button and he either shut a door or caught a mouse. I don't know what it was, <laughs> but it was, it was cool. And as a, as a 12-year-old, I could never build that, and he was like 12 when he did it, so I don't, props to him. He also welded my brother and I these giant metal loft beds that floated like six, like six feet off, off the ground. They were awesome. I would still have mine, but I could not convince my wife that a floating metal twin bed was a bed for us. She was not on board. <laughs> when, we, when they moved into the house they live in now, one of the first things I remember my dad doing was like, he walked into the garage. He's like, I'm going to build an elevator in here. It's like, I was like, what? You're going to build an elevator? He's like, so he cut like a, a five foot by five foot square in the ceiling, cut it out, put an elevator there, hooked up pulleys and a motor and all this stuff. And that's how we get our Christmas decorations up and up and down out of the attic. So we have our fake tree. We throw it up there, and it's not a pain in the butt going up and down the ladder to get that down. So super cool. That gadget solidified the nickname that I am most familiar with, um, MacGyver. Everyone growing up called him MacGyver. Now, I don't know who MacGyver is because I'm 21. <laughs> All I know... Is that, uh, yeah, Netflix. I don't know if I can binge that show. Um, all I know is he uses a lot of duct tape, and I think he has a mullet. But that's, besides that, I just know people refer to my dad as MacGyver occasionally, more when I was little. Uh, I remember people would hit him up all the time, be like, hey, Mark, I need help fixing this or that. And he would grab his tool, his tool bucket with a bunch of tools in it, grab some gloves, and usually drag me and Nick along. And then we'd head to my favorite place, Home Depot. And uh, that man can spend hours in a Home Depot. I remember anytime we walk into a Home Depot, we have to walk in with our hands in our pocket like this because I'm not allowed to break anything. And so that would happen. And then he'd look for two to three hours, I'm sure, slightly exaggerated, but this is kid time here. So at least seven hours, he's looking at two-by-fours, looking to see if he has the straightest two-by-four in the stack, like Alex. Is this 2x4 straight? Does it look straight to you? I don't know, Dad. It looks like a 2x4 to me. But now, as a kid, that was, that was torture. I hated going to Home Depot. Now, I'm all about Home Depot. That's cool. I know what to look for when I'm looking for 2x4s. It's a handy skill to have, you know, in case I want to build a bench or whatever. 
But most people refer to him as MacGyver growing up. But I actually have my own little secret nickname for him that I don't think he even knows that I have for him, so surprise, Dad. Uh, I called him Batman a lot when I was growing up. He might know that. But I don't know if you guys are comic book fans. I am a, a huge nerd, and Batman's like my go-to superhero. Probably will always be my go-to superhero. He's way cool. He's mysterious, intelligent, strong, super detective, just excellent hero. Way cooler than Superman. Superman dies from a rock. That's lame. Superman's too perfect to read about. It's lame. Batman is, like, relatable, kind of. I'm not a billionaire, so not, not in that way. But uh, growing up, I always compare my dad to Batman because Batman's the best, and I feel like they shared quite a few uh, traits. Uh, Batman, my dad's a real analytic thinker, like Batman. Um, has Always has a plan, like Batman. Has, like, six or seven backup plans, like Batman. Always carries kryptonite, just like Batman. He's just an excellent, <laughs> excellent detective. Just like Batman, and uh, I'm going to tell you this story. I didn't plan on telling you the story, but I'm going to do it anyways. I accidentally shot a taser into the ceiling of, of our house, into the drywall. And I pulled out these two little prongs, and there's these two little needle-sized holes in the drywall. Brand new drywall, we just redid the kitchen. He walks in five minutes later and looks up, he's like, what are those? Like, super detective, like tiny little holes in the, in the ceiling. Like, who looks up for tiny holes? He does. And so does Batman. Uh, plus, Batman is also uh, pretty strict, strict with Robin. Uh, take, take this moment, laugh it up. I am comparing myself to Robin. Just get out of your system. It's okay. I kind of like Robin sometimes. That's all right. But, you know, he didn't give Robin a lot of free, uh, leeway, you know, all out of love and concern. He didn't want Robin to die, and uh, my dad did the same. And my dad was also the one who did about 95% of all the disciplining, and I'd say he did an excellent job with his trusty leather belt. That worked out pretty well. Mom would occasionally get angry enough to bust out her number one pain bringer, the wooden spoon, until my brother actually took it and threw it in the outside garbage can as the garbage man came to pick it up. So it's like, put it in, garbage man took it away forever. Nick thought he was just like on point, throwing that away. My mom did not even know it was gone for like a year until she was like angry enough to look for it. Uh, <laughs> Looking through, when I was putting this together, I was looking through some verses, and I came across this one in, in Proverbs, and it made me laugh quite a bit. Verse 23, uh, no, chapter 23, verse 13 of Proverbs. It says, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. Uh, needless to say, my parents did not withhold the rod from me. They used a belt. The Bible is correct. I did not die. I'm still here. Uh, so if any parents are wondering, should I use the belt? Just look to scripture. The scripture says use a rod, and I think a belt is nicer than a rod, because when I read rod, I picture a metal rod, and that, doesn't, that does not sound good at all. And I don't want you to think I got beat all the time or anything. Like, my household, I never got, it was always when I did something really bad, and, uh, you know, lots of carrots to accompany the stick that was hitting me. Uh, I think it was a pretty balanced household, but I might be a little biased, so I don't know. And sometimes I think that we think parenting was easier uh, back in Bible times, but they still struggled with when to use the rod, when not to use the rod. That's why that verse exists. Parental dynamics between mom and dad and how children fit into that. All things that they still wondered about. And the main thing God wanted Israel clear on was who and and who he was and is. Because from that, that would inform everything they did. It would affect everything they did. How they, how they uh, raised their kids, how they saw the world, how they loved one another. When you're rooted in Jesus, it affects everything else in your life. Deuteronomy 6, verse, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 6 says, Hear, O Israel, 
The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your soul. I know you guys have heard that verse probably 50 million times. Um, and I can only imagine how difficult parenting is because, again, I do not have a kid. Uh, but this is something that needs to be taught and modeled in our households. And I tell you the difference between my mom and my dad because I want you to know that even though they have very different personalities, they both in their own way taught us the ways of, of God. Uh, as parents, it is your responsibility to teach the gospel and to reflect the love of Christ for your children. I know not everyone is great at verbally speaking and having intimate conversations with their children. Like, that's, that's hard, I think. I don't know. Um, my dad's not a talker, Batman type, silent, analytical, deadly. Uh, but he still modeled for Nick and I what it looked like to walk in, in honor and, and righteousness and honesty. All, all good things. Uh, Philippians 4, verses 8 through 9 say, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. My dad is not the greatest talker. We didn't have these intimate conversations all the time, but he just lives his life in a way that, that we see Christ reflected in his actions, his willingness to help others, the way he loves our mom, the, the way he has worked so incredibly hard to support our family. All things righteous, all things honorable, all things commendable. My mom taught us faith and what faith looked like, and dad taught the practicality of what the Bible taught. Uh, I think, in retrospect, they're a much better team than they thought they were. Uh, I don't think they fully understood how influential, influential and, and effective they were spiritually for, for me and Nick. Um, and it's Father's Day, and I'm telling you all the nice things because it's Father's Day, and that's what I'm supposed to do. Uh, don't think that they didn't have their, their mess-ups and, and issues, but again, it's Father's Day, and I'm supposed to be nice. Um, one of the worst things you could do is walk out of here and be like, well, I'm not going to measure up to that. Like, don't, don't do that. Plenty of failures to accompany all those victories. And what I'm going to talk about next uh, is from this outside perspective looking in. As, as a kid growing up, this is what I've seen. And I, all I want you guys to get out of what I'm going to say next is Jesus has loved and redeemed you. And in that understanding of redemption is how our parenting should matter. Here at Element, uh, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Teach this stuff to your kids. And you may not be a doer like my dad, but that doesn't mean you can't be someone like, like my mom who, who loves me and, and drug me to church kicking and screaming. Um, because if it's important to you, then you should make them go. If they live in your household, you should make them go. You should live um, in front of your kids the faith that you say you have. Uh, if they live in your house, then your values are something that they should understand and, and begin to live out. So if you're not a doer, maybe you're a hugger. If you're not a hugger, maybe you're a doer. I don't know. But in different ways, you are showing your kids what the gospel is, how Jesus has redeemed and saved, and how you, as his hands and feet, are loving them as well. It would be great if we could all be teachers and huggers and doers and everything else in between. But from what I have seen growing up, usually one parent excels in, in one aspect and the other in a different aspect. And that's okay because God gifts each of us differently. So don't don't try and... Compare yourself to other parents. Every couple is going to have a different way of working together to, to model Jesus for their children. 
a couple things can happen. You can, you can develop this false sense of superiority because the parents you're comparing yourself to are kind of crumbling apart. They don't really know. They appear to not know what they're doing. Their kids are a mess. Like, like don't do that. I know some of the uh, most godly men and women that have come out of, like, the messiest households. And I have, like, half the time, I'm like, I don't know how you turned out so good. But you did. Or there's the, the flip side to that. Um, you can get this false sense of despair because you're looking at these, these parents who appear to have everything together and they know the gospel inside and out and they're just like great at having real intimate conversations with their kids and really explaining the gospel as, as best they can. But, I mean, everybody messes up. Everybody has their issues. We are all sinful. We all fall short of the glory of God. Uh, Aaron talked about this last week. Uh, the gospel gives us this... The gospel gets rid of our pride and our despair. It gives us this unattainable law and then gives us the Savior to fulfill this law for us. So try not to focus on, on what you think other parents are doing better than you and just focus on what you can do, like your best to, to show your kids Christ and model Christ for your kids. You can ask yourself each day, or better, better yet, you can, you can ask Jesus each day, how did I model Christ to my kids today? Did I teach them about Christ today? Did I extend to them grace, or was I quick to anger? Was that anger warranted? And if so, because kids, sometimes you've got to get angry at them. That's cool. Um, how did you display that anger? Don't, don't be passive about how you are involved in your, in your kids' lives. Your best is not just dropping your kid off at youth group or dragging them to church on Sunday. Be proactive. Be intentional with how you live your life and teach your kids. Read scripture with them, pray with them, answer questions that they're going to have because they're going to have questions whether you like it or not. If you're freaked out because you don't know the answer, tell them, I don't know the answer, let's go seek it out. Like Use that opportunity to grow in Christ and with your kid. Go to your GC, go to a deacon, go to an elder, go to scripture, go to Aaron. That guy has the most books I've ever seen in an office. Like A library is the only thing that I can compare Aaron's office too. So if you have a question, one of the books in Aaron's office could probably help you. Uh, <clears throat> Oops. <laughs> uh, we do youth group on Thursday nights, and one of the biggest things I had an issue with when I decided to take it on was like I was worried that that uh, they were going to know more than me or ask questions that I wouldn't understand because we have some super sharp. High schoolers shouldn't like a buttload about the gospel. And that's a Nacho Libre quote, if you guys don't know. Uh, <laughs> I had to point that out because Chelsea was like, I don't know if you should say that. I was like, it's a Nacho Libre quote. I'm not taking it out. Uh, <laughs> I, I was worried that I was going to look like a fool because those kids were going to ask me questions that I didn't understand or didn't have the answer to. But in the grand scheme of things, that little minute of embarrassment is nothing in my life. Uh, all that was was an opportunity for me to grow in my relationship with Christ, in my knowledge of Christ, and with that student. Uh, So mostly it came down to a pride thing, like am I willing to put myself out there and risk embarrassment and and maybe look like a fool for a minute? And yeah, it's it's totally worth it. And you've got to trust that God has a plan, but be as intentional and as proactive as possible and that as you can um, to teach your kids about Christ. And I know a lot of you maybe didn't have the luxury of being raised in a two-parent home. Maybe your, your father and your mother weren't able to give you everything that I was given spiritually. Uh, maybe your dad was an awful father. Maybe he was abusive. Maybe he wasn't around. I don't know. But I do know that your dad 
is not God the Father. God is a great dad, perfect father, never lets us go. James teaches us in uh, chapter 117, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Um, Every good and perfect gift is from God. He blesses us tremendously. He never lets go. He's unchanging. He loves us wholly and unconditionally. No matter how bad your dad was, you've got to remember that your Heavenly Father never leaves you and never forsakes you. He loves you wholly and unconditionally. Dads, uh, you guys got to understand that you are the Christ figure for your children. If the only understanding that your kids got of Jesus was from how you conducted yourself, what would Jesus look like to them? And as a dad, I'm sure... It's easy for you guys to want to give your kids everything and shelter your kids from things. But first and foremost, your goal for your kids should be modeling Christ for your children, teaching them the gospel, and then living that out in example for them. Yes, we believe Jesus is the one who calls us, the one who draws us, but God our Father shares that title with you. Shares the title of Father with you and hopefully one day me. And, and that actually scares the crap out of me because I'm going to stand before God one day and account for how I led my family. And so will you. And that should be a little intimidating, I think. But because he shares that title with you, um, your kids, more than anyone else in their life, will equate God the Father with you, their father. So my question is, what type of father are you? Do you understand that grace was given? And do you extend that to your kids? Grace involves discipline. Scripture tells us that, that God disciplines his children out of love and grace. Grace involves truth. How honest with your kids are you? Don't, I mean, like, you got to be honest with your kids, but don't drop, like, the you're a sinner bomb on them. Don't be like, hey, little Johnny, first day of kindergarten, uh, you're a sinner. You're always going to fall short of the glory of God. Have a great day. Like, don't, don't do that. Don't send them off with that. Like, the truth that, that you love them, that Jesus loves them wholly and unconditionally and, and never is going to leave them. Like, that truth. Like, how often do they hear that? And, uh, like, you don't have to be Batman. You're not God, but you are how your kids are going to see God, their father, growing up. Uh, John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory. Glory is the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Uh, I think that this is the goal of fathers, uh, to be full of grace and truth. And I see this example of my parents. Um, both, both did both, but my dad would definitely fall on the side of truth, you know, disciplining well, and then my mom on the side of grace. But both did both. Um, and, and what if that was your goal as parents to strive for? That's what you, stri- you, you wanted to achieve, grace and truth in, in like equal balance. Um, I'm not calling my parents out. I think they did a great job. But grace means that your kids are cared for and loved no matter what, and they understand that they have received grace upon grace, that your children would know that they are loved in spite of sin, foolishness, and bad decisions, just as we are loved in spite of sin, foolishness, and bad decisions by our Father. Uh, And then truth would step in after that grace and not let sin just steep further into our lives, but correction, truth, and genuine care would overflow from that. Uh, I want to leave you with a couple things today. I was going to say two, but there's more than that. So the first thing is... um, if you had a, a bad dad, if you had a crappy family, uh, your dad is not God. God is a good dad, perfect father. Uh, two-parent households, uh, you are a team. And first and foremost, your goal is to love Jesus, love Christ. Your second goal is to love your spouse. Your third goal is to love your children. In that order, it's biblical. If you disagree with me, look in the Bible. Cool. 
we're single parents, um, redemption and hope are still possible. Just because you're on your own and, and just because it's just you, um, you're going to have to remember that your goal first is, is to love Jesus and then that kid. I was talking with Aaron about this when we were putting it together, and he was saying that a lot of times uh, divorced parents will, will tend to let their kids kind of get away with them because they feel bad for the situation that, that their kids are in, which, which makes sense to me. Um, but when you love God first, when Jesus is first, discipline doesn't become so tough because your kids cease to be your idol. God becomes your God, not your children. Uh, so discipline them like, like God disciplines us by letting us go through difficult situations in our lives. Uh, the band's going to come out. They're going to do some songs. This is a really spot-on set list. I like it. Solid. But when they do, when they're doing the songs, we invite you guys to come to communion. And uh, during that time, I've got to move over here first. During that time, uh, it's a reminder that we are never far from home. That Jesus saves and redeems us. And when you get up to do communion, go with your family because... As a family, Jesus has rescued and redeemed us. And we are invited to God's family through grace and mercy and, and his love. So, that's why at Element we encourage you guys to go up as a family. There's going to be some deacons and some elders in the back. If you want to pray about something or talk about something, whatever you want to do, they're back there for you guys. Um, if that soda has not killed you and that bacon has not killed you yet, um, there's some more goodies in the back. There's a massive box of plums that are super good, and apparently they can counteract bacon, so have at them. But yeah, that's, that's about it. Happy Father's Day. Um, say hi to your dad. Tell your dad you love him. Give him a hug, even if you don't like him. Um, take him out to lunch or something. Do nice. Happy Father's Day. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for today. Thank you for, for giving us fathers. Thank you for being a good father. I pray that as time goes on, we would all strive to be more like you and that we would all strive to be full of grace and truth and and not lean on one side or the other, but be balanced and and be more like you. I pray that you would would guide us and you would give us wisdom and strength with our our children and future children. Uh, I pray that we are able to love half as much as you love us. Uh, We love you and we praise you.